Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled working mother who hit snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can follow a nutrition plan that supports their goals, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of their to-do list, and go to bed feeling fantastic about the day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle, and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. Now on to this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm so glad you've joined me for another episode. I'm really excited to bring you today's episode because it is one of my favorite topics to discuss. If you know me or if you have followed me on social media for a while, you know that one of the things I love to talk about most is the idea of habits and time management. And I don't spend as enough time or as much time as I would like to creating episodes on this topic because there's so many other fun and helpful topics to discuss. But I'm really going to try to bring you more because it's an area that I spend a lot of time on during the day teaching people. And I've been doing this work for over 20 years now. I have so much to say about it. So I'm going to be bringing you more episodes. There already are a couple. I'm going to list them in the show notes because there are some great ones on. There's one selecting a planner. There is one how to decide on priorities. I have a great coaching episode that I did with my friend and client Gail. So I will list these in the show notes. There are a lot of great episodes already on the topic of time management. But I was thinking about it over the past um, week or so I was, as I was planning out this episode and I was kind of paying attention throughout my day. Um, you know, the work that I do, I teach groups on this. I work with individuals and I was trying to monitor and see what do I end up saying the most? And, you know, what are the topics that really seem to hit home the most? And I realized that if I had to boil it all down into my two very best secrets for the best time management practice, then I know what they would be. And I'm going to share them with you today. So, but I want to just give a little bit of background in case you don't know this, you know, how I got into all of this work. Um, You may know by now that by profession or by training, I'm a cognitive behavioral psychologist. And so what that means is I subscribe to a model of thinking called cognitive behavioral therapy that really looks at the connection between your thoughts, your feelings and behaviors and how they all work together to lead to a particular outcome. And how we can intervene in any of these areas with your thoughts, how you manage your feelings, how you behave to shift your outcome from a negative to a more positive outcome. This is different from other philosophies in the field that may focus more on childhood and things that happened, you know, earlier experiences that you went through that set the stage for what you're going through now. And that can still be very helpful for many people. It's just not the primary work that I do. So I'm really focused on what are the patterns going on today and how do we create change to make you feel better, help you feel better and um, help you get to the outcome that you are uh, striving for. So 
Many years ago, I was working at Mass General when I was an early career psychologist, and I actually had a background in the field of mood disorders and spent a lot of time studying depression and bipolar disorder. And ironically, my area of expertise was the role of sleep and lifestyle behaviors and how they impacted mood. And I did years and years of research on this. I have a thrilling dissertation on it. If you would ever like to read it, then you're welcome to reach out to me and I'll send you a copy. But um, anyway, I was working at Mass General and a colleague of mine asked me to work with him on a project to develop a cognitive behavioral therapy protocol for adults with ADHD because there really wasn't a lot in the field. We knew that cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT was really effective for other things like depression, anxiety, addiction, eating disorders, but there really wasn't a lot out there for adults with ADHD, who many of whom were on medications, but were still struggling because they needed to learn skills to better manage their day-to-day activities and productivity. So I worked with my colleagues to develop a program and then to conduct research on it to see, you know, to make sure that it was working, that it was effective, that it was better than either doing nothing or better than other programs that were out there. And we got a lot of great um, outcomes from that. And so we ended up publishing this work into two workbooks that are out there. They're alive and well. I use them all the time. Um, and people that I work with use them all the time. So they are, I'll actually put this in the show notes as well. I don't talk about this enough either, but it's called Mastering Your Adult ADHD. And there is a client workbook that you can get on Amazon that is really, really helpful. So a lot of the work that I'm doing now stems from this project that I worked on And I have since worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of adults with ADHD who have massive challenges in terms of productivity and focus and concentration. And this is really where I learned a lot of what I now know and what I teach in terms of day-to-day productivity and time management. I now teach a broader population. So in my own health coaching, I kind of take these skills that I know have been working for adults with ADHD and talk more about how they are really helpful for all of us. Um, Even if you don't have ADHD, time management can still be a big struggle. And so these strategies are still very relevant and that's why I teach them today. So that's a little bit of background on how I got to where I am today. And I've actually since, so in addition to working with adults with ADHD and then general population on time management. I've also done a ton of work on my own time management and I've been kind of obsessed with it and always trying to get better and better in my own life. So a lot of what I teach is also what I've learned has worked for me and what I've learned from reading other books on habits and working with mentors and really you're benefiting. I've I've paid for a lot of coaching and workshops and so you're really benefiting from all those things that I invested in for myself. And I always just love to share what I'm learning for me, because if it's working for me, then I know there are other people who are struggling and would also benefit from it. And I just want to pay it forward and share it. So that is what I do. So, okay, back to the question of if we had to boil it down to two secrets for best time management practices, what would they be? And I realized that if I'm going to talk about these two, I have to sneak in like a 2A because there is kind of one that's in the background. So I'm going to call this 2A secret. So we'll start with that. So the first secret is that you have to have a system. We just can't rely on our brain to remember and keep track of all the information that we need to juggle. Our brains are fantastic and they are masterpieces. Um, 
and extremely capable, but we're going to max out what our brains can do eventually. And we're going to start forgetting or maybe remembering, but just getting really overwhelmed by all the work that it takes. And so we will do so much better if you put an external system in place, this could be a digital system. This could be a paper planning system. We are so lucky that these days there are so many options out there. And this is the episode I was referencing where I go through all of the things you might want to consider in choosing a planner. So I'm blanking on exactly what number episode that is right now. So look in the show notes because I'll list it there. Um, but whatever, you know, there's no one perfect system. And there's no one system that I recommend for everyone because everyone's different. Some people really like to use a digital version, like an app, or even the simple tools that come with our iPhones or smartphones. Um, and other people really like the visual layout of a paper planner. And then some people use what I call a hybrid system, which is actually what I do. I use my phone calendar and some of the the list uh, apps in the phone for a lot of things. But for my master planning, I love to use my paper planner. I do have a favorite, which I'll also list in the show notes. It's an Erin Condren life planner, which I swear by. And I love, love, love them. And I recommend them to anyone who is looking for a paper planner. So that's that's the secret to A, is that you really have to choose a system and commit to using it. There is no perfect system and none of them on their own are going to solve all your problems. It's all going to come down to how you use it and creating the habit of actually using it every single day so that it can work for you and make your life easier. But okay, so let's assume now that you've decided what your system is going to be and you have one master location where you that you use for your calendar, where all your events that have a specific date and time go there. And then you have another master location that you use for your to-do list so that you always know when something pops in your head, you always know exactly where that inf information should go. I kind of liken it to a dresser drawer where I think most of us have designated our drawers for different types of clothing. So when you go to put your laundry away, you know exactly where everything should go because you know what belongs in what drawer. And then when you are going to get dressed and you need a certain item, you know exactly where to look because you know which drawer it should be in. So information is just like that. If we don't know what quote unquote drawer to put it in, then we're just going to leave it out and we're going to write it down on some random piece of paper. And then we won't know where to find it when it comes time to go look for that information. We won't know where it is, what quote unquote drawer it's in, and the system's going to fail you. So when you make that decision and create this planner and decide what it's going to be, that alone is going to set you up for better success. Then let's get into secret number one. I call secret number one the, the step of separating out the process of deciding what you need to do when and actually having to do it. So in my programs, I teach a system where you establish one day a week where you are going to do a planning session. It could be whatever day works for you. It doesn't matter. But it's one day during the week where you do a planning session and you look at the whole week ahead and you map out to the best that you can. Uh, obviously, you know, some things change depending on your job or your life. Some things change a lot. Some things may change a little. But there is a lot that you know in advance. And so to the best of your ability, you set up your week. You look at the things that have a specific date and time. And then you look to see what is the white stuff, the, the white space that's left over. 
that is the space that tends to get people jammed up the most, the most, because that's where you have to start making decisions. If you know that you have a doctor's appointment at 9 a.m. or you know you have an online webinar at 10 a.m., it's a lot easier to show up for that because you don't have to make decisions. But it's when you have all that unstructured time where anything could happen is where you get stuck because now you have to decide. I don't know. What's the priority? I have a million things on my list. They all feel important. They all feel like they should have been done yesterday. And so how do I know what the most important thing is? And a lot of times that gets people jammed up and that's what sets the stage for procrastination. So then you put it all aside, you watch Netflix and you just kind of zone out or you go on social media and then you feel worse because the day goes by and yet again, you didn't get that much done and you still have this giant list and you just feel terrible. That feeling is what I try to help people address and minimize because I know that it's a terrible, terrible feeling. So in this planning session, what I'm going to recommend is that you go through, you look at that white space and you decide realistically, how much time do I have during the day to work on tasks? And then you look at your task list, you decide what the priorities are, reference that episode that I already recorded, I believe it was last year on deciding um, what on your priorities. We'll, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, but let's say that you have already done that step. You've decided what the priorities are. You are then going to assign each of them a specific day and time in your planner when they're going to get done. So you make all those decisions during your planning session when you don't actually have to do it. Because think about it, both of, the, both of those steps require energy and mental um, mental effort. Making the decision about what the priority is and when is the best time to do it takes effort. And then actually doing it takes effort. So it's a double whammy. If you wake up and you have no plan, but you just have this long list of things to do, and hour by hour, you're trying to make decisions and do them, it's utterly exhausting. And we get this thing called decision fatigue, where you just get tired of making decisions because it's difficult, it's hard, it's stressful, it causes anxiety. And you get to this wall where you just say, I can't make any more decisions. And that's where you zone out and check out. So if you do this in advance, you only have to do one of those hard tasks, not both. You only have to make the effort or use the effort to make decisions, but you don't have to worry about actually doing it. So you map out the plan and then day to day, hour to hour, all you have to worry about is executing the plan and doing the task which yes, it's going to take some effort. You might have to muster concentration and determination and commitment, but you don't have to worry about making any decisions because you've already done that. So you've cut your work by 50% by doing that planning session. And that is going to feel so different. This may feel, it's going to feel different in terms of how much easier it's going to be for you, but the act of doing this is also going to probably feel different because you're not used to it. This might really go against what you've been doing before. So I really encourage you to do an experiment and give it a try and see how it goes. And when I say give it a try and do an experiment, you really got to give it like at least three or four weeks, maybe even three months, because it takes a while to get used to anything new, to iron out the kinks, to figure out exactly how it's going to work for you. So you got to give it a good, honest try before you come to any conclusion about whether or not it's going to work for you. So that is secret number one. And secret number two is going to be to create habits. So 
you hear me talk a lot about this, that habits are automatic. They're things that you do again and again, perhaps at the same time of day or in the same sequence at certain times of day, or maybe you link certain behaviors together. Like I always link taking my uh, vitamins and supplements with brushing my teeth because I already do that morning and night. And so I just, it's called habit stacking. I just add one more thing on. I connect them. I don't even have to think about it anymore. It's just what I do. The more you can automate and create habits, the easier it is to get things done. Because again, you're not making decisions and you're not having to evaluate every hour what it is that you want to do. So it just becomes a habit. I have to give you this example of exercise because it really demonstrates how this can work for you. If you met me many years ago, if you met me, oh, let's say maybe eight years ago, I would have told you that I was someone who really valued exercise. I knew it was important. I knew it's so good for your physical health, your mental health. But I was a busy working mom. My kids were little. They were maybe five and eight. I was working outside of the house, uh, I believe, five days a week. And I was running around from morning to night feeling like I didn't have a single spare moment to fit in exercise. And I would look at other people, I would see them on social media and I would see them posting workouts and I would say, how in the heck are they fitting that in? I just couldn't imagine fitting one more thing into my life. However, I was also feeling pretty disgusting. I had these massive energy slumps at 3 p.m. and I couldn't imagine how I was going to get through the rest of the day with my kids. My clothes were tight. I was in my yoga, living in my yoga pants all the time. It was just not good. And I realized that something had to change and I knew it had to start with creating a new exercise habit. So I'll make a long story short. I did a lot of work on that. I worked with a coach and I decided that it had to happen in the morning because by the end of the day, I was too tired and it just, it was even less likely to happen. I was not a morning person and I couldn't really imagine how it was going to happen in the morning but I just knew that it had to. And so I used an accountability partner, my coach, to help me get started is because I had to report into her every day and say, workout done. And I did not want to have to text her and say, oh yeah, sorry, I blew it off. I just didn't feel like getting out of bed. And it really only took about three weeks of having to text her. You know, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And I really find that to be true. So in three weeks, it had become more automatic. I was getting out of bed and I really didn't need to text her anymore because I just, I was kind of on my way. And here we are eight years later and life is different. My kids are now older. They are more independent. They don't need me as much, but I'm still really strategic about my exercise habit. And I know that the best time of day for me is still in the morning before I get showered and dressed for work and before the day unfolds. I'm going to feel a lot better if I start my day this way. And then I know that it's done. I can check it off and it's not hanging over me all day long. Sometimes I still do something else at night because I have more time now and I want to, but I just feel better if I do it in the morning. So I don't even really think about it. I know exactly where in my sequence in the morning it's going to happen. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, you know, have breakfast. I'm going to help my kids get off to school. I'm going to make their lunch. And then I'm going to spend a little time on social media. And then that is my window. Window That is where in the sequence it's going to happen. And by 7.30, I'm going to be dressed out the door, doing whatever or whatever workout I'm doing so that I'm done by 8.30. I can shower and be at my desk by nine. So I don't even think about it. And I sidestep all those thoughts. Do I feel like it? Do I want to? Is this really the best time of day to do it? 
you know, is there something else that's more important? I get away from all of those thoughts and analysis because it's now just what I do. I don't even think I just get up, go get up from the sofa, go upstairs, get dressed and just do it. So that is the power of habits is that you work around all of those thoughts that might try to sabotage you and you get the job done. So you'll notice that there are actually some commonalities between secret one and two, which is, again, that we're trying to minimize the amount of time we spend thinking about what the priority is or what we want to do or what we feel like doing. We're setting that all up in advance, being strategic and looking at it objectively before we actually have to do it. And then we're creating habits. So we automate things that we do. And again, we don't have to think about it and analyze it and make decisions. We just do it. And those two secrets combined, adding in 2A, which is using a system, are going to change your life. I feel so confident about that. So I'm going to encourage you to put this into action if you haven't already, or maybe if you did, but you got away from it a little bit. Do an experiment, work on recommitting to doing this, put it into action, and you got to check back with me and let me know how it goes. Send me a message, send me an email. Find me on social media. Let me know how it goes. And I'd love to hear all about it. I hope this was so helpful for you. If you love this episode, please do me a great favor and go onto iTunes, scroll down to find the um, podcast on iTunes, go to the bottom of the page. If you could write a review and leave a rating, if you haven't already, this is so helpful. I desperately want more people to hear this podcast and benefit from it. So that's how podcasts work is when they see that there is a lot of activity. People are listening, their reviews and ratings, and they're going to show it to new people. So I'm asking your help um, with that. If you haven't already, I would so appreciate it. And I'll be back next week for another episode. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.